Welcome back to That Entrepreneur Show. I'm your host, Vincent A. Lancey. And I'm Jeff Richards. The fifth episode of season seven is already here. And for today's episode, we have an entrepreneur who has grown his own three-person consultancy to over $3 million in 18 months. So what can you expect from tuning in today? Each week, I interview a different entrepreneur from across the globe. I will continue to offer episodes in all industries to provide you with many different perspectives. You never know which motivational journey will inspire you most. Each guest will take you through their story and help you learn from their successes and lessons learned. My guest on the show today is someone who combines over 25 years of experience with aligning the supporting information technology and associated organizational changes to deliver the results. An inspirational leader who will roll up his sleeves to get the job done, he has a global perspective to share that was developed during significant P&L management level positions in both Asia and Europe. This entrepreneur heard the show and wanted to join this community of entrepreneurs as he has tons of value to offer. So allow me to now introduce Mr. Jeff Richards. Jeff, it's great to connect and thank you so much for coming on the show. Hey, Vincent. Great. Thanks for having me and, and, uh, and giving me a minute to share my story with a few of your listeners. Absolutely. Would you mind please introducing yourself to our listeners and previewing your story without giving away too much of your entrepreneurial journey? Okay. Um, simple story. Uh, first, males. My mom was a nurse. So we're, I'm the first males in our family to my brother and I to ever go to college. So I got a, uh, in the prior century, I got a, a management science degree and and parlayed that into a couple of factory operations jobs. And I was gating my career by how big a factory and how big a staff and that sort of stuff. And I realized I was more interested in putting the systems in to run the factories than I was in actually running the factories. So I, uh, I parlayed that into the software company, you know, went to work for them. And then I was like, okay, now I got all the, all the implementation projects I want, but I'm product constrained. So I, after a couple of software companies, I ended up at Arthur Young, which then combined with Ernst & Young. And now we're, you know, it was big eight and big six. Now it's a big four consulting. Big four, yeah. Um, and, um, you know, and I'll, yeah, I'll tell you the, the longer genesis, but that, that's, that's my story is I'm, I'm uh, a business guy who got into implementing systems to run the business better. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing all the thoughts that were behind that transition because everybody listening on, sometimes where you think you're going, you may actually be going somewhere else. It's a stepping stone into something you're really passionate about, which is the case here with Jeff Richards. I think it is a great time to get into the big five, Jeff. On each episode, my guest and I will go over these five questions to help you, the listeners, learn what it's really like to be an entrepreneur. You ready to go, Jeff? Yes, sir. Let's do it. So when did you realize that you either weren't happy with what you were doing or you needed some kind of change to truly start your entrepreneurial journey? Please tell us your story. Well, I had gotten on the um, the Ernst & Young, the, the big accounting firm, consulting firm, partner track. So started out as a senior consultant manager, senior manager, and ultimately partner. And then, um, you know, it, the, the last staff job I was running the year, 
European, Middle East, and Africa market for the manufacturing, high-tech, and automotive sectors. I had 5,000 people, you know, wow. a huge P&L. Um, and, I, and I was on the road constantly, you know, staying in the finest hotels and the, eating the finest restaurants in Europe and the like. And I had to flight from Amsterdam to Atlanta uh, to, for an internal Ernst and Young partner meeting. And when you're, so I was living in the Netherlands and as an expatriate, you pay taxes in your country of residence for how many days you're there. And then that's credit against your U.S. tax load so you don't get double taxed. So I'm on this airplane ride on in February. It's time to do my prior year taxes. And I'm, I've got my PDA out and I'm going, how many days was I home? And I'm like, oh, that can't be right. So I get out a pad of paper and a pen and I'm going through my calendar and like, damn, the number's still the same. And it was 72. So out of 365 days in the prior year, I was, dad was home 72 days. I was on the road, the other 293. Wow. Uh, and there sat my wife on a big estate down a 200 yard long driveway with three-year-old twins. Okay. Dad's home six days a month. And I, that was just like, the light went on because until that time it was like more power, more money, more spending control. Sure. Give me, give me, give me. Then I was like, Holy mackerel. I, this job has eaten my life and I got to do something about that. So that, that was when the light went on, it was like 72. It was like, Oh my God. So anyway, so that was, that was the Genesis. We get caught up in what we're doing to make a living and we forget about life. I mean, I like what I do. I don't get me wrong. I, I love my work. But, you know, at the end of the day, the company was going to forget me the minute I left. They didn't love me. You know, it's like taking your hand out of a bucket of water. There, there is no hole left, right? Uh, we are all expendable in these large organizations. So it was just like, well, Jesus, my, my, I'm not raising my kids. I ought to, maybe I ought to go home and help with that. So, Well, I think you make a great point where the quality of life has to come into play. And money is great and money is everything until you realize that maybe there's some things missing. So I can certainly resonate with you on a much lower scale. I was coming out of graduate school after being hit by the car and going through my rehab. I still wanted to continue my finance studies. So I did that, earned my MBA, got my next corporate job. And I realized that I was making more money than I was expecting, but I was commuting two hours a day each way. I was you know, too tired to work on my own passions after work, before work. And it just it wasn't worth it for me. So I took the step back, started this entrepreneurial route. And granted, the money was nowhere near what it was. But soon, I think, you know, your hard work eventually pays off. But since you made this jump, Jeff, what would you say one or two of the most difficult parts of being an entrepreneur are for you? Well, in my business, it's, um, you know, we're in the professional services. We're in the consulting business. So we don't actually have a product. And there's, I mean, the three ways to really make money are 24 hour cash register, other people's money and other people's time. So we're, we don't have a 24 hour cash register, but I do have other people's time and I do have some other people's money, which, you know, you put to work. So, but the, you know, so we're a little bit different from uh, an entrepreneur who's got a product or working on some cool technology in the garage that they want to license. So, but the net of it was nothing happens until somebody sells something. I live in Silicon Valley. It is littered with unrewarded genius up and down the highway. Uh, you know, great idea, cool technology, but I can't sell it. I can't, I can't tell the market, you know, I can't come up with a compelling story for the market. So you've got to have something that somebody wants to buy that, that is, a, is meeting a need in the market. You know, it's, you know, build a better mousetrap, they'll be the path to your door sort of thing. But the, um, you know, in our business, you know, we're in, you know, 
half a dozen folks in delivering a project for a client. We're all got our heads down, beavering away, meeting to get deadlines and deliverables. It's hard to do any marketing when you're working like that, you know, working 60 hours a week. So you, that's the, but the bottom line is nothing happens till somebody sells something. So what, what an entrepreneur besides focusing on their product has to think about is how will I take this to market? How will I get people to lean in when I start my elevator pitch? What's well, compelling? Uh, and, and why would somebody buy this stuff? You know, so that's, that is probably, um, the most difficult part is, I mean, cause I, where there's 17 of us now, I mean, we've as big as 27, um, but it's all the business is project based. So it kind of rises and falls, but I've had professional sales trainers come in to talk to my folks and they're like, Oh, salespeople are born. I can't sell. It's like, look, you put on a clean shirt this morning. You brushed your teeth. That means you care about how you look and how you present yourself. You are in sales, right? Um, you know, the best in my business and any business, the best customer is the repeat customer. Right. Right. How do you get a repeat customer? Because you delivered a quality product or a quality service. So that is selling. Worrying about the customer sat is selling. So don't get bound up in your, I mean, no one's expecting you to, to dial for dollars and start cold calling based on walking through the phone book or something. You know, you got to target this stuff. But anyway, long story short, a lot of people have a metal block against selling. I can't ask people for money. It's like, well, yes, you can, because you have something to give them for that money. Very, very true. As always, that nerve wracking in the beginning of starting getting that confidence. But with confidence, that comes from trying something again and again and continue to grow and learning that, hey, I can do this. It's nothing but you seem to make them confident with that advice. You look good, feel good, time to play. And, and people will say no. People will say no, and it's not personal. Don't take reject, sales rejections personally. Um, it's it, it just means you didn't have the right message, or maybe you didn't have the right product for those people. Or even it could have been the wrong time. It could be wrong timing yeah. for the other party. Uh, those are all great points because I'm trial and error with everything I do. If I reach out to 20 people on LinkedIn or, you know, the numbers game, I hear back from four or five, maybe two. And I fine tune my message a little bit or on Instagram or however I try to find new guests. But those are great, great examples. Thank you, Jeff. But looking back over the course of your career or even your life, you could say, what is one of your greatest failures or lessons learned? And what did it teach you? Why is it still sticking with you all the way up until today? Um greatest failures i mean most of my you know i've had a pretty successful career um you know sold 36 million dollars against an 18 million dollar forecast i mean i've had i've done well but what always sticks in my mind is the one that got away the the sale that if i'd only closed that one we'd have been that but it's like you know so the the issue is that all of us are our own worst critics so you know um, the lesson is learned, allow yourself to fail. Do not beat yourself too hard. You know, learn from the, the failure, learn from the mistake and move on. Don't wallow in it. Um, so the, you know, cause you know, I have done very well and, but I, I, I'm still beat myself. Like, you know, if I'd have just pitched that one a little different, if we just done something different or we done, you know, we'd have gotten that one too. And I'm like, but you got all this other stuff. So really it's not that bad, but no. So don't be too hard on yourself. Give yourself permission to fail. Give yourself permission to be a success as well. Yeah. You said it before. We're our own harshest critic. We always, as entrepreneurs, we want to do little things perfectionist way. You know, this is, this is everything we're putting out, but you got to be kind to yourself. And with that, 
It's a big thing I talk about with mental health. My new projects, Mr. Lancey Talks Mental Health. The way you're saying it, it just you're right on, Jeff. I, I, I love thanks, the answer. Thanks. I mean, it, it's um just the, you know, it, it is the mental battle. I mean, limitations are self-imposed. You tell yourself you can't do something, so therefore you can't. You tell yourself you can't learn how to play the guitar. Well, then you can't. That's a learning disability you've just imposed upon yourself, right? So, <laughs> you know, so, you know, it, it's... I like it, that. You know, don't lose the mental battle. I mean, you, you got you to gotta pep talk yourself once in a while, and it's okay. That's the best way to put it right there. But Jeff, if you could choose to have a conversation and learn from any entrepreneur, we're talking dead or alive, who's your choice? Well, that's a pretty broad spectrum, you know. I'm I'm really not an inventor like Edison, although he'd be cool, but apparently he wasn't the most social person. He was just a brilliant mind. Um, you know, I, I it would be easier for me to go back into the 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 living and it would be Larry Ellison, who, who you know, was a, a software developer, and and sold a, a product, a project to the federal government. And uh, um, I've heard him speak. I don't know the man. Um, but when uh, he he went to his his bankers and told him he'd gotten this deal, they're like, well. That means you'll be, he says, we could be a hundred million dollar company. He said, that was the biggest number I could think of at the time. Well, now they're, you know, 70 billion, I think it is, or something of that nature. It was like, so, you know, he's, he's gotten a lot of, he's, 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 not, uh, he's a little abrasive too, but you know, him or, or Richard Branson, who has pivoted yes. from airlines to records to, I sold the record business so I could buy more airplanes, you know, so Virgin as a, as an, as a business, or Larry Ellison, one of those two guys. It's not that I have any aspirations of being a billion dollar business, but you know, one of the things that have motivated these folks and a lot of entrepreneurs is fear of failure, right? Um, so, you know, it, it, something, something's got to motivate us to get up and you know, we want to go, you know, build something, we want to go burn something down, or we're just afraid that we're going to fail, you know? Uh, having a Silicon Valley mortgage is a good motivator to get out of bed. So, but anyway, long story short is those would be the two guys that Branson or, or Allison, I think would be the guys. Well, learning from Larry would be great seeing what went into Oracle, what he was thinking to kind of make all of this happen. And Branson, I love that story. I believe when he was younger, um, when he was a record store or something, then he started selling the records, doing little entrepreneurial activities, then it blossomed to this humongous empire. But I do want to take it one step further with you. And I know you've listened to some episodes, so you know it's coming. Where would this location be for these meets? Where in the world would you want to happen? Oh, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's... Uh... Why, why would it have to be limited to one, I guess, would be the thing, you know? Like I was telling you in the intro, I... I just got back from uh, uh, several days in, in the mountains in Montana in the West. Uh, I live pretty close to the ocean here in, in California. Got I have the best of both worlds. When I lived in LA, I went, you know, surfing and skiing in the same, snow skiing in the same day, just to say I did. I've heard of that before. You know, so yeah. that would be, you know, it's kind of a challenge sort of thing to, to you know, to, for locals to be able to say they did that. But it, it's, you know, so I don't think I would limit it to one because I, re I really, you know, I grew up in Kansas till I was 16, which is the middle of the U.S. and lots and lots of open space and lots and lots of big sky. Um, and I really like that. But 
uh, I was 15 the first time I saw the ocean. They haven't been able to keep me out of it since. So, Well, that's amazing. Well, your hard work has certainly earned you the position to live where you choose to live. And I think that's a great lesson for everybody that's on here is set your goals on something wherever you want to live. Just work hard enough and you can get there. But Jeff, let's look into the future a bit. Where do you see yourself and all of your entrepreneurial endeavors in the future and do one year and five years? Let's start with one year from today. One year from today, I think, you know, as we know, COVID-19, isn't, this is not a snow day. We are all going to work from a, from, for a long time from now on. It's, it, you know, so the geographic limitations are no longer as important as they once were. Uh, a year from now, I think we'll have, you know, this, you know, at least wrestled, whether it's in the submission or not, we'll have a, we'll have a better way of dealing with it. the vaccine will propagate and we'll, and we'll have better defenses and those sorts of things. So um, I don't think that's going to be the issue. But a year from now, the business has been okay. It's been what I've found during this current time is that the decision-making process from a buying decision has gotten about twice as long as it used to be. Everybody's uh, skeptical. People are, yeah. are are very cautious with their piles of cash now. They're not sure if there's more coming in, so they're not they're loath to spend it. So, um, you know. We're not having as good a year as we had last year, but we're doing we're doing quite well. Um, so a year from now, I'd like to see this thing back on a stable business. Five years from now, fair enough. Yeah, I would like to see this business continue after I'm gone. I I have a couple of heir parents. You know, I own ninety six percent of the place. I got a couple of gentlemen that own two percent each that are the principals. As I said, there's seventeen of us currently. I would like to see them carry it on uh, without me. I mean, I I don't need to see my name on anything, but I would like to see the business continue without me behind driving it. Very, very humble. <laughs> well, you want to see, you know, your baby, you grew the baby, your business. You want to see it continue after you send it off to college. So I could certainly yeah. respect that. But Jeff, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I know our listeners are going to see all the value in your show. I loved your complete honesty in the beginning where you gave everybody a valuable lesson where you realize the more money, the more power I had. This is what I wanted, but it was eating your life as you described. And you made this switch to something you're very happy now. I loved how you gave that for when you're talking about your difficult parts of an entrepreneur. How do I take this to the market? How do I make my elevator pitch? Those are all things that you just try a million times to dial in that perfect answer. Yeah. So I appreciate that. But it is time for the last word here, Jeff. And I also do this on my other podcast series, A Mental Health Break with Vincent A. Lancey, too, because I want the listeners to really get to know all of the guests I bring on. Is there something that you would like to share that we did not get to touch on yet today? Well, it's not so much a personal insight, but it's, it's advice for the people listening. Everybody you know would take a call to help you. They won't take a call to buy something from you. So what you need to do, back to that elevator pitch we were talking about, is, hey, Vincent, I got this great idea. I want to run it past you. I want you to listen to my pitch. And you tell me what works and what doesn't, what I need to adjust, what I need to drop, what is really cool, what's stupid. And, and I'll buy you lunch or a coffee, whatever. And you'll happily take that call to help anybody you know. But if I called and said, Vincent, I got this really cool, I did this cool product. How many do you want to buy? You'll go, hey, never, how's it never? Good for you, thank you. So work <laughs> your network yep. for advice and support because people are willing to help you. And at the end of that discussion, when you're showing, telling somebody your pitch, the, you know, in my business, about a quarter of the time it sticks. But if it doesn't, you ask your friend, who do you know 
that I should talk to about this. So you just prospected your network for their network. So now you got a multiplier effect going that you didn't have. And and when you know I called Bill and said Vincent sends me, and Bill calls Vincent and said, Did you send Jeff? Yeah, as a matter of fact, I did you should talk to him. I'm like, okay, good. You know, so you know, work your networks, but ask them for help. Don't ask them for their money, you know, and, and then expand from there. So everybody will help you. Nobody wants to be sold to. A very powerful lesson. Again, thank you. Would you now please mind taking the time to share your professional social media, your website, ways for our listeners to request your services or follow your endeavors? Okay, we are at CIO, Chief Information Officer, Professional CIO PS, Charlie India Oscar Papa Sierra, CIOPS.com. Uh, as a dinosaur, I do more on LinkedIn than I do on Twitter, or I am J underscore W underscore Richards on, on Twitter. Uh, and, but, uh, CIO professional services is, is where we're at. Thanks. Thank you for sharing all that and be sure to check out all his content and social media. And it is social media time for the show. And we're on whichever platform you like to use. We're at that entrepreneur show on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook and at Podcasts by Lancey on Twitter, so you have updates from this show and a mental health break. Of course, my handles are at Vincent A. Lancey on all social media and YouTube, and my website is vincentalancey.com. If you check out my books, DM me. I would love to hear from you. We have Mr. Lancey Talks Mental Health, Left for Dead, A Story of Redemption, and how to transform your mindset when the norm is changed, all are on my website now. And as always, I will end the show with a quote that inspired me and know it will for you too. This one is from Elon Musk. He said, if you're co-founder or CEO, you have to do all kinds of tasks you might not want to do. If you don't, want, if you don't do your chores, the company won't succeed. No task is too menial. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you all on the next episode of What It's Really Like to Be an entrepreneur.